just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I'm chatting to Emily Spink all about Crohn's disease. Emily was diagnosed with Crohn's in 2014, and since then, she has done some incredible things. In this episode, Emily talks us through her journey to a diagnosis, what it's like to volunteer for Camp Purple, a camp for young people living with inflammatory bowel disease run by Crohn's and Colitis NZ, And she tells us all about her experience of a lifetime, driving a rickshaw with two fellow cronies across the length of India, raising money for Camp Purple. On a personal note, I have always wanted to go to India, but neurologists in the past have made me feel like that is in the too hard basket. Sometimes when you have a diagnosis of something, it feels like you will never be able to do anything fun ever again. But talking to Emily showed me that anything is possible. I loved listening to her stories. It really made me feel like I was in India with her. And during the current situation, that was very appreciated. As always, I hope you enjoy and let me know what you think. Welcome to That's So Chronic. In your past life as a journalist, you have shared so many incredible stories. When I was looking through your portfolio, you know, some of the things you covered were so amazing. And I am just so excited to flip the focus today and to be interviewing you and share your story because you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease. In 2014, I believe. I feel like you know more about me than I do. I have done a big research. (laughs) (laughs) So Crohn's disease, what is your definition of Crohn's? I always like to say it's pretty much your body attacking itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But so it's an inflammatory bowel disease. You can have either Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And it just sort of depends whereabouts in your body it is um, in the colon, colon. So yeah, Crohn's disease... It's mine is in my small bowel and pretty much there's a lot of inflammation. It's like ulcers are sitting in Mm -hmm. your colon causing havoc. Um, And so, yeah, that's not really a definition, but that's my explanation. No, (laughs) that makes sense. And so, okay, let's start all the way at at the beginning. Is diagnosis the beginning for you or were you noticing things way before you got diagnosed? Yeah, I reckon... Well, mum and dad will now say the signs were there when I was little. Like, I think they called me a yo-yo when I was little for the times I'd go to the toilet. Um, But but it wasn't until like year 12 and, you know, you go through puberty and I was having really irregular periods. Right. And then, and I was so sporty at at high school Mm -hmm. um, and doing athletics like quite competitively in full club sport. And my coach one day, he was like, Emily, like, we need to check your iron levels because oh. you, what's happening here? Because my yeah, right. times had dived. I just didn't have any oomph in me to sprint 200 meters anymore. And that's when we started to look into it. And I ended up going down the hormonal track. I went to an yeah. endocrinologist and mm-hmm. she's like, okay, you've got a hormonal imbalance. And that was probably like end of high school, start of uni, went on the pill, 
kind of oh, they some of those made me feel horrendous you yeah, know like yeah. trying to find the right one Classic. yeah <laughs> and so they also told me I had polycystic ovaries okay well polycystic syndrome mm-hmm. having two of the three symptoms yeah so it was like okay great got a hormonal thing condition, yeah. something <laughs> and um I remember I went away for my exchange to the states and sort of was like stop taking the medication and the pills yeah. and was like no nope, don't do that yeah and just always really lacked just any energy mm-hmm. was going to the bathroom a lot but I never I never really talked about how many times I was going with my friends so I didn't know yeah, that if that wasn't normal yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and gosh and then you know fast forward what were we 2013 we started and then it wasn't till like early 2014 ended up going to a gynecologist who wanted to do a laparoscopy we went in there thinking you know check out look for endometriosis or something yeah. and he said oh and this is some also my gynecologist he delivered me so he knows <laughs> he's been there from the beginning <laughs> like he's so lovely and I remember and he was he said to me oh I wish I had my little YouTube camera like, quote YouTube yeah. camera <laughs> Let's go viral, people. <laughs> He's like, oh, you have a very overreactive bowel. Oh, I'm like, oh, what the heck does that mean? So then from there, he referred me to a gastroenterologist. And then hence, here I am now with Crohn's disease. <laughs> so what did that diagnosis look like when you went to this next specialist? He, um, we did, what do you call it? Colonoscopy. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good old colonoscopy. But that actually didn't show up anything. Oh, okay. Because mine was too far tucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we then had a capsule endoscopy where you swallow the little pill cam mm-hmm. um, and you're all wired up for wow. the day and it, oh, at least, gosh, you wear that for at least eight hours and as, swallow this thing the size of your thumb and it just travels through your body. Oh, wow. And then eventually out it comes. Isn't science <laughs> amazing that we can literally just swallow a camera and that's yeah. how it happens? Just clicking away. My... One of my dear photographers at the time um, joked that I should have named it and then he wanted it to have a GPS tracker to see where it ended <laughs> up. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was ultimately what, yeah. what found it really. And then what happens once you're diagnosed with Crohn's? Do they offer you medications or say you should eat this now or what happens? Yeah, I think it's like straight to medication and yeah. gosh, I just experimented with so many, I think. The steroids, they were horrendous. Yeah. Like, and, and man, I think I, w- I wish now and I would just, I wish that they would tell you this will affect you in every way yeah. possible because I wasn't prepared for that. Like you how ta- low I got emotionally yeah. and yeah. Um, and just thinking, oh, but not actually thinking, oh, the steroids can play havoc with that as well mm-hmm. as at a time when you're already trying to get to grips with having a new diagnosis and what life might look like from there so yeah yeah, so steroids no I they didn't really like me I didn't like them and so we we then started experimenting with other ones and yeah again I like would get all rashy or itchy or Mm. you'd react in some way so um it's taken a long time but and now I've moved yeah pretty much the top shelf of, yeah. um, of drugs but um so what one are you on now so I'm on Humira okay. which is a fortnightly injection mm-hmm. and that and then I take about eight pills a day with Pentasa so I have four in the morning four at night and I have a really tiny dose of a chemotherapy drug which is I think to make sure that Humira keeps doing what it should interesting yeah. okay 
to make it last a little bit longer because otherwise if you build antibodies, then yeah. you're in trouble. Um, so yeah. what is the purpose of these medications? I know for me with MS, it could be it's completely suppressing the immune system or mm. it's putting a barrier around something. Like what yeah. do these drugs do for you? Yeah, again, suppressing the immune system. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and reducing their um, inflammation. That bloody immune system. I know. And, it's, and then you think of all the weird and wonderful things that you get because you're taking these medications, which, yeah, that's great. They're doing, you know, they're tackling this in my colon. But then yeah. at the same time, I can say I've had warts on one leg for like five years and they won't go away because my body can't get rid of them. Like, of so course. You know, oh, my these God. weird things that emerge as a result of. So sometimes I feel like you've got to be like, okay, cool, except I'll get these weird things over here. Yeah. But if so, it's keeping that at you know, me healthy, it's healthy, quote marks, yeah. <laughs> at the same time. When you were diagnosed, was there a sense of what the future would now look like for you having Crohn's disease? I had no idea. And I remember, like, I'll probably, you know, like <laughs> you think back to that Emily and you're like, man, I feel sorry for you and I wish you could see where you are now. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, like sitting in bed, just like those first couple of weeks, just Googling, and then you know you're not meant to, but you do, yeah. and you get on the internet, and you go, ah, and yeah, I was terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, you might need surgery in the future, or yeah. you you might not, you might have to stop everything you love doing right now. Are you going to be able to work? Are you, um, yeah. so yeah, I had no idea really, but at the same time, was like going to work each day, trying to remain upbeat, and just be like, just keep on ticking on, which... Was that sustainable? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and again, I, and I would love, you know, if anyone was getting a diagnosis now and um, I would love for them just to, like, know that there are people out there that they can reach out to because I I was yeah I definitely felt alone when I was diagnosed and I think I knew one other girl with Crohn's yeah whereas now like I've got a whole IBD community that I'm a part of and and they've helped me so much yeah yeah connections are so important I hope that this podcast is going to help connect people as well because I think I was looking on the Ministry of Health website or Southern Cross that they estimate that it's around 15,000 people in New Zealand have either Crohn's or ulcerative colitis and that's actually a lot of people isn't yeah. it it's, it's huge you think you probably there's probably someone who walks past you on the street they probably have it like, yeah <laughs> and I think Crohn's is one of those conditions where you don't see it from the outside do we like we're not attached to you we don't see your bowel movements we don't see the pain or and I think, yeah, talking about it, it must just be so important. Yeah, and and I th- I'm so lucky that I have friends that are happy to share their bowel movements. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, like my school friends who are still my very close friends, yeah. you know, we're able to sit down and be like, how many times do you go a day now? <laughs> like we didn't necessarily back then, but, you know. Um, I think through high school, and you, some people have had IBS or trying to manage other symptoms. And so, and I feel so comfortable to my friends to be like, if I'm out, I need to go to the toilet quickly, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and I don't get judgment, but I see other friends and, you know, who, who aren't, who maybe don't have those connections or um, yeah. I often, I sometimes wonder how hard it must be as a guy too when you yeah I'm very very lucky with 
the people I have around me. Mm. What were your symptoms when you were going through this diagnosis in this early time of being diagnosed? What did every day look like with having Crohn's? I think for like the biggest symptoms, fatigue, just right. Going and I think being someone who, yeah, genuinely when I was doing okay, you know, in high school playing six sports Mm -hmm. at one time and, you know, you'd go, you'd go to maybe three afternoon practices after school or, and you'd have things throughout school as well. Yeah. And then becoming this person who might go for a light walk and be like, whew, I'm having, (laughs) I'm going to watch out and start yawning on her way home. But also just eating something and then it's like, boom, you've got to quickly race to the bathroom or having blood in your stools as well. Yeah just this like severe pain with you know right in your abdomen where it just feels like someone's just sliced you in half but and again being a female like sometimes I'm like oh is that period pain is that and so I feel like I've struggled and I hope and I sometimes I worry and I this is silly but I think oh my gosh maybe I've confused my gastroenterologist maybe I don't have Crohn's and maybe it's just my but it's my ovaries yeah <laughs> you, you start these you just start second guessing yeah. everything yeah because it's all in the same place and it's not very easy sometimes to pinpoint what's actually giving you growth but um yeah yeah just the low low energy is the been the toughest one um is that because your body can't absorb nutrients as well from the Crohn's with the food digesting I'm not like super up to date with how our food I don't like I've never really thought about we put food in our mouth where does it go (laughs) like but I'm I've been talking to a few people that have Crohn's and yeah the with the small intestine that's where a lot of the absorbing of the Mm. nutrients from food comes in. And if there are these ulcers or it's inflamed or the immune system's causing havoc, it's hard to get the nutrients. Yeah, exactly. And and over the years, like I have had various, you know, you find out you're low in zinc or you're low in something. Right, Um, And then my my specialist just says, oh, because I have regular blood tests just to check where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And particularly with some drugs, you know, to make sure your levels don't get too high or too low. And so with that, and then he'll be like, oh, yeah, Millie, you need to get on, to start taking zinc or something. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think, and you know, like when your body's, I always think of like your body's fighting an, an infection, yeah. you're always wiped out anyway. It's just like chronic illnesses, your body's fighting itself on the daily. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, you've got to cut yourself some slack and be like, oh, that, maybe, that, maybe that's why I'm a bit tired. <laughs> Things are working hard inside. <laughs> <laughs> You volunteered for Camp Purple. What is Camp Purple? <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, so Camp Purple is a camp for children with IBD or children and teens. Okay. And yeah, that was, well, I'm going back this year in January. Cool. Um, so very excited. But yeah, started in 2019 was my first camp. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? So it's a week-long camp, and so that first camp was over in Living Springs, and the kids stay there for the full week, and they've oh, got wow. a team of, you know, volunteers, medical professionals, like a whole, n- you've got nurses and gastroenterologists on site, and a nutritionist, and we've just oh, got wow. a huge team, because you've got over 70 children with <gasps> IBD there in all varying stages or, mm-hmm. um, of, you know, severity, and we... Oh, it's incredible. You, We do the, you know, the simple things like playing games and we do a lot of like confidence building and that comes out through like doing your high ropes course and all those classic things that you do, might have yeah. done in school camps. But obviously um, with these children, there's another element 
extra little thing there that makes mm-hmm. life a little bit tricky. So yeah, if you can get get these kids up there doing the high rope scores and just see someone that maybe hasn't had the chance to do that it's or hasn't even been able to go to a school camp because they haven't felt like they can. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're in a camp with where everyone around them has IBD and yeah, there's nothing cooler than like seeing other children just like chatting freely about, oh, you've got ulcerative colitis. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, that must be so <laughs> special for them. <laughs> it's huge. And I think that's to, to like normalize it for them at a young age. It's, I think, pretty incredible. And to give them those connections that they can, you know, they, they keep in touch with those yeah. children and teens for throughout. And they've always got someone they can just like hang out with and catch up with if they need and for the parents too who then I think form connections through their kids as a volunteer uh there are many volunteers and they all have IBD as well yeah there's, there's a big team of volunteers and most of them trying to most of them do have IBD I mean gosh when I it's something that had been on my radar but I think I had like been sick and then I think you know I needed to get myself in a good yeah. headspace like to be able to be there and for other people so yeah yeah, 29 was the year I think I found found I felt ready to to do it so yeah you apply and then if you're selected you you go away to the camp and yeah just I remember the first night sitting there at dinner I'm like looking around like wow these people have they have IBD too and you know everyone's like what drugs are you what what medication are you you on (laughs) (laughs) what are you popping right now and so yeah it was brilliant and hence I made some pretty amazing connections too I was just about to say I think you made two very important connections that would later on go on to be your teammates (laughs) for the rickshaw run in (laughs) India which I am here for I am so (laughs) excited to talk more about this The rickshaw run, if you're listening at home and you're like, what on earth is a rickshaw run? It's run by a group of people called the Adventurists. And side note, they have another event that they do called the Mongol Rally. And I 100% want to do that one day. So, but they do the rickshaw run and you have a rickshaw and you, there's a few locations that you can do it. Mm. I think they've got Sri Lanka, India, Himalayas, and you signed up for it. What even gave you the idea to do this? <laughs> well, it's it's funny, yeah, because when I met those guys, they little did they know that you know I was like plotting away. Um, so <laughs> I think, oh, since when I got diagnosed, like I knew eventually, because yeah, as you say, there's there's almost twenty thousand people in New Zealand with IBD, and you know it is there is so little um out there. About about it and mm-hmm. especially back 2014 too um so I always knew eventually I thought one day I'm gonna do something big I want to do a big fundraiser yeah, you are. To, like, <laughs> to, to show like all these other people that they can do they can do yes. things too <laughs> Love um, this. so that, that had been there and it was like just a matter of like okay when what how why and so came away from the camp and I was just filled with all these good things about you know what it does for the children the teens and yeah just seeing these kids thrive in this environment and they rely on the the you know generosity of sponsors or donors Mm -hmm. and Crohn's and Colitis New Zealand would run the camp but yeah they don't have a lot of money so I was like that's naturally this is what I want to do I want to fundraise for the camp and um so the rickshaw run Again, it had been in the back of my mind. Friends had 
we talked about it over the years, it was one of those things I always thought, oh, is, I don't know if I could do it in an all-girl team. This is, yeah. you know, like, oh, is it safe? You have all those questions. <laughs> yeah, totally. Fair enough. <laughs> and so couldn't sleep one night after camp. And I got on the Ritual Run website and just went down the rabbit hole and was like, I'm doing this. And I think I have some people that I've just met who could be keen to do it with me. I don't know who. So I, we had a group like Snapchat of all the volunteers. And so I, you know, it's like almost midnight and I just sent a link. But I was like, whoa, this looks awesome. Who's in? No one replied. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next morning I get messages back from Josh and Sean who told me after the fact that they felt sorry for me that no one had replied. And so we're like, hey, yeah, cool, Em. That looks cool. And then little did they know, and I'm saying this right now, that I, they were probably the two that I was most targeting. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like if anyone's going to do it, it'll probably be those two. Um, and so, gosh, I by after, you know, within a week, we had signed up and paid and we were doing it. And that was January um, – and then the rickshaw run was in the August, in August, so we didn't have long to prepare. <laughs> wow! So yeah, to prepare, what did you have to do to prepare for this? Because is it Josh and Sean? Yes, yeah. They have Crohn's as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So you're all living this life with Crohn's disease anyway, and now you're going to go to India, get a rickshaw, and drive it across the country for 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even prepare for that? Well, first of all, you have to tell your parents. Yeah. Um, and Mum did get a little bit teary. <laughs> she said, I don't know why I'm crying. I was like, because you know what could go wrong. And she was like, you're driving a rickshaw through India. Um, but no, <laughs> we all told our parents. And from there, it was like a matter of we really wanted to go big on this. It wasn't yeah. like just earn a couple of hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. We're like, right, we, I flew up to Auckland and um, timed it very nicely with 660. So we went to the concert at the same time. Yep. And we all caught up and we sat down and it was like, right how do we pull together a massive fundraising mission here? Who are we targeting? How are we yeah. going to do this? And so we we set our initial target at 15,000 and it was like, okay, cool. And yeah, using my media advising yes. um, expertise, just thought, right, we've got to do a massive um, Facebook push here. And yeah, massive campaign. Yeah. Obviously, then we had to come up with a name. Yeah. Um, three play. I was very Excellent. pleased with that one. <laughs> So, free play, and yeah, I have my amazing sister, a de- graphic designer. Um, gosh, couldn't have done it without her. She was pretty key to get on board at the start. And uh, shout out like, to Molly. Yeah. I actually, I actually <laughs> lived with Molly back in the day, many years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like had my vision. And I was like, Molly, can you help me? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she got to work creating our imagery and everything and we arranged for a photo shoot in Auckland with like a friend of a friend and he very generously shout out to Ishan who gave his time free yep. um for a, the photo shoot and from there it was just yeah keep pushing on Facebook and cool and before you had even gotten on a plane to India you had already raised so much money you your initial target I think was fifteen thousand dollars and you'd already made that right yeah, we'd gone over and above. And this is the funny thing was a couple of weeks out. Um, oh, no, that must have been a month. A month out. I didn't know if we were going to hit our 
target yeah. and I got so worried I was like Aww. so then I decided we had to do um a big quiz fundraiser I'm like oh, I need to get a one big boost here and the boys are based in Auckland I'm in Christchurch so I was like right, I'm just gonna do this and yeah so, and man so many businesses were incredibly generous and um yeah we ended up raising another oh, over almost seven thousand um through the the quiz Meanwhile, while doing that, then Josh, um, gosh, some amazing businesses were dropping 5K, Whoa. you know, here and there. And that was just huge. And I wasn't, I'm thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> like, we <laughs> have to go to India yeah. now and do the rickshaw run. <laughs> so then up the quiz and, you know, there's a couple of weeks and just, like, pushing yourself to really get there. So yeah. definitely left India feeling pretty tired. But, we <laughs> but amazing that we we had gone over and then we were like right what do we go for now yeah so, so what <laughs> happened so you fly to India you just do you as a rickshaw supplied yeah so we was touch and go because it was huge it was monsoon season oh, too right so wow, we really okay. picked our timing yeah <laughs> and so a lot of the other teams were struggling to get into where we needed to start mm. so it was it was a bit touch and go in the first couple of days of are we even going to are we even going to launch here? Because team, the airport was closed. We're stranded. There's oh, wow. major flooding slips. Like villages, whole villages were being wiped out. Like it was intense. So yeah, eventually, I think all by like a couple of teams were able to make, you know, everyone yeah. made it. So we we sort of got the lay of the land when we were there in a very lovely Indian family that Josh knew um, put us up and they were gorgeous. Yeah, and then from... You get to Fort Kochi, they yeah, they give you your rickshaw run and it had all been painted as we we give them a design oh, of what amazing. we want. Yeah. And so it had our little faces painted on the back and big three ply with rolling toilet paper along the side. And then they give you the keys and you get a little brief mechanical um little information session. Um and I just looked at the boys and said, like, Cool, we got this kids yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> not very handy um i'm the media <laughs> advisor like i'll be updating on facebook yeah. you can fix the rickshaw <laughs> and that's exactly how it went yeah. <laughs> and um so yeah i think the, the main thing is you've got to really you've got to get your ratio of like water to petrol and okay. um, you can't stuff that up or you won't go very far but it was really hard learning how to drive the rickshaw i can imagine <laughs> i feel like i was set up too because I had to reverse the first time and no one ever reverses a rickshaw because no. you just push it anyway. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> so there's a start line and there's a finish line and it's just up to you wherever you go to get to the finish line on time, I assume is yeah. how it works. Yep. What, what did you see along the way? Like I can only imagine that going to India is really chaotic and hectic and especially for, you know, the deli belly at the best of times, let alone when your immune system is literally attacking your intestines <laughs> so how did it go did you know what were the toilet situations like how did you find the food what was happening oh I dream of the food yeah. I just miss it so much <laughs> that was the amazing thing the food changes the more you know because we start in the south obviously and you get this beautiful southern um Indian masala doses mm, yeah and yum. the Kerala rice and oh and then the, the further north you travel all of a sudden it gets a bit oilier and yeah. the yeah the curry's changed that really got me that but, yeah. okay <laughs> but oh i dream of the food what where do i start there was um i think yeah getting out of 
you know, the first couple of days, it's all very exciting. And uh, Josh definitely took, he took, I think he felt quite comfortable behind the wheel. So he took charge the first couple of days. Um, but we would, we'd do little shifts. Okay. Um, and yeah, it definitely took me longer than the other two to uh, <laughs> get comfortable in the traffic. You just, you're just so tiny. <laughs> and these these trucks and the buses, particularly the buses, the buses rule Indian roads. Well, actually, no, the cows do. They yeah. just meander along slowly. They are at the top of the pyramid. But <laughs> everyone else, you've got buses trying to overtake trucks and you oh on God. blind corners. And I think, yeah, there were just so many times where I'm like, how do we get out of that alive? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, pretty early on, we we had ourselves a breakdown tally. Okay, yeah. I yep. was like, that was a fun part. Um, so, yep, every time we get a little on the back, a little cross on the back of your rickshaw. And we, yep, the second day, I think it's just started <laughs> trying to get up a large mountain. Yeah, wow. <laughs> From there, I'd say... One of my yeah, long-lasting memories was driving 10 o'clock at night. It's pitch black, and we were trying to make it to our accommodation we booked. Little did we know that bordered a national park okay, and a safari national park. <laughs> 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 yep, tigers, leopards, elephants, bison, you name it, they're all in there, and... I have a real fear of anything that roars. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, around a park when I was younger, it was terrifying. But oh my um, God. so I was like, we're in an open vehicle here. It's pitch black. It's just us. And you can see this like forest to your right and to your left. And I was petrified. Like I was packing it so much. And the boys thought it was a great joke. And I was like, no, I'm very terrified right now yeah. like messaging mum and dad back home just so you know i love right. you if anything happens it's been a great life thank you for bringing me up it was a wonderful childhood <laughs> and we died like all of a sudden the light started <gasps> dimming and no. we broke down and that's when i was like oh this is it this is how i go <gasps> and I'm like, hey, Josh, are you seriously? Are you joking right now? And he's like, no, we genuinely, I think we've run out of fuel. <laughs> oh, shit. So it leaps out and I've got my, you know, light on my torch and shining there, quickly refuel. As we get to go in back in the rickshaw, there's this almighty crack, but like right on my side. <laughs> I no. mean, I'm just like, Josh, go! <laughs> What was it? I don't know, but it sounded very large. I just, it was, as I say, pitch black, but like it was an almighty crunch. Holy moly. Anyway, then this Land Rover came up and it turns out they were the park rangers. And I just, I had, when we stopped, I like raced up to them and I said, we're by ourselves in the park. I think we've just broken down. Can you just stay with us? (laughs) And the voice will, of course, thought it was a great joke. However, the rangers said, it's very dangerous for you to be in here. More so because the elephants will see you and you're about the same. Well, you're actually smaller than an elephant. So they'll look at you and probably charge you. So I got us escorted out of the national park um, <laughs> with two Land Rovers. <laughs> to our accommodation. And we, when we arrived at our accommodation, the owner had said that just a few weeks ago, he'd had four lions walk across his front lawn 
And I was like, see, boys, this is why I was terrified. <laughs> Whoa, what an experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really sleep much that night, but um, I was glad to be, uh, yeah, beautiful part to see, but glad to be out of that natural yeah. park. <laughs> you said that your fatigue was probably like one of your main symptoms when you were being diagnosed. How was your fatigue while you were traveling in India? Yeah, it, it like, it wasn't too bad. And mm-hmm. it, like, there, definitely there were days. And the nice thing was that we could take turns driving. So yep. when we did feel rubbish, they would switch it up. And we also had each other. Like, I really felt like I was could be very open and honest. Yeah. And, you know, there, initially, if we, um, I think the first week, like, yeah, I think there was some blood on my stools and I freaked out. And I'm like, oh, I just could tell them and be like, hey, I'm something's not up you know? yeah. <laughs> not quite right at the moment um and having a wee rest and yeah I think just it, w- it was hard because we were doing a couple of hundred k's each mm. day and you're sometimes driving 14 hours and you get to your well you have you're trying to find accommodation too you roll into a little town there might be sometimes they wouldn't take foreigners in the hotel. So right. we'd, the place we'd booked said, no, we can't take you. So then it's like, all right, Where else can 10 we o'clock at night, we've got to find a new place. And um, and then I'd love to, to go through the photos each day. So I, that yeah. was like my thing. It was like, right, get your, all your photos off each day so we can roll them out because we wanted to keep everyone updated. Yeah. We had our Facebook page. and So it was usually quite, there were some very late nights. And yeah, but... We just had each other, I think, looking out for each other. And we were very lucky in that we got sick. So we we decided we'd go vegetarian. And I think that really saved us because we mm-hmm. met a few teams along the way who'd gone pretty hard on beef and certain things. And that's it's the meat that you've got to watch over yep, sometimes. Okay. Um, there were some very crook people we'd come <laughs> across on the other, from the other teams. And, yeah, we got sick this the last night, like, before the finish line and we were we had the option, all three of you two of us oh josh didn't go on the swing pool and that <laughs> saved him <laughs> so everyone and we met these um another australian team everyone who went in the pool and <gasps> those of us who put our heads under the water oh no got hideously sick the next day on the way to the finish line oh so, no however because we have crohn's we had some loperamide that we could pop and that's the thing that <laughs> stops you from needing to go so yeah. we we popped that as soon as anything happened and mm-hmm. we were could get ourselves to the finish line whereas the Aussie boys wanted to ride it out and I don't think that worked out that well for them ah. <laughs> I was going to ask about medication did you take so how long were you in, were you in India was there any problem taking your medication over there well Jess oh. I have to confess that I left behind my medication in one hotel <gasps> and so so this is the Humira which you know, I'm so like that has to be get refrigerated. Um, yeah. Although you do have the, a little bit inject, of these yeah, the injections. Yeah. Um, you have a little bit of a window that, so it needs. Well, I can't remember temperatures, but yeah. yeah, you need to keep it cool. And so, I was trying to find. You know, you get to a place and I quickly put it in the fridge and I have a little coolie bag that I would have with yeah, me. Yeah. Did and you we'll, use a coolie bag for the plane? Yes. Yeah. And little freezer blocks inside, but I left it behind. And this is like part. I think that was pretty much halfway, and. We did a little bit of travel afterwards too, and so I really needed those injections. Um, so what happened? This, the lovely hotelier, um, I emailed him, and he was like, yep, yeah, cool, I'll put them on a bus, and they'll be up to you at the finish line. And so 
my god, <laughs> so lovely. So my Humira was put on the bus and made its way by itself up. And there was, yeah, sure enough, it was there and it was waiting at the adventurous little um, office for me at the finish line. So pretty amazing. I mean, it, by then... It had been like a week out of the fridge, warm. And I was going to say, is it still actually like okay <laughs> to use? <laughs> so Ray had gone through a tough time. Um, but I mean, it was something. And I think just the like kindness of the, that yeah. hotelier is pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I had no idea. What, does anything happen to you when you don't take, like, so therefore you just, you didn't have it for like a week. Did you notice any differences? Well, I think, yeah, because I'd been around. I'd had one, so technically I was like due to have the next one, so I hadn't okay. really like missed it. But it's it's just a little bit. It's not as effective, I think, by the time I'd had it. And mm-hmm. I think by then you're just starting to get worn out anyway. It's hard to know if yeah. it's like the medication, you know, I took my injections, or if it's just you. You've just done 14 days in a rickshaw and you're <laughs> yeah. exhausted. I was looking on the Facebook page, the Three Ply Facebook page, and you have a summary of everything that you did there. So I'll read it out to you. Three cronies, 3,200 kilometers, 126 bottles of Sprite, which I love that because I drink Sprite when I have a sore tummy, so I'm not sure if that's connected, but anyway. <laughs> 223 selfies that we know of. 8.5 breakdowns, 0.5, interesting, love that. <laughs> Two deli bellies, 14 days, and one temperamental but still lovable rickshaw Rocky. What an incredible experience. Oh, amazing. And you raised, drum roll please, $26,027 for Camp Purple. They must have been so excited and also as a teenager or a child looking at these volunteers that have just suddenly traveled India that must have been so inspiring for them. I like I had a message from a mum who said her little boy who was like three or four um, had been that came through the Facebook group he'd just been diagnosed with Crohn's and she said they had been following our journey oh. and her little boy had a fascination with rickshaws now he didn't know what they were oh. until us and she said it's just really cool to be able to watch and maybe like give her hope that he could go off and have an amazing adventures um, too so that was that was a pretty special message and um, yeah and I mean I, I hope when I think that's why I wanted to do it is to show these kids that you don't you can do what you want to do. I mean, I definitely, we're all in different stages and, and yeah, you not, can't speak for for everyone, but Mm. um, definitely I think you can't, yeah, you don't have to give up on your dreams and you can go and do ridiculous things still. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading a quote that someone was writing probably on, on social media that you don't have to change your, you know, you don't have to give up on your dreams. You might just have to change the way that you get to them. Might have a little few extra things. I'm wondering about vaccines. Did you get the vaccines for India? Are you allowed to get vaccines on the treatment that you're on yeah so I'm not allowed any vaccines that are live mm-hmm. um because they're um immunosuppressants yeah things um but yeah all my I went, all my other ones were all up to date pretty much the other oh, the only one that I did get was the um I've had a blank on yeah the, I don't even know rabies what? oh rabies okay cool and the others didn't get that anyway so that's one of those ones you're like oh, I don't know. yeah <laughs> interesting and so what does $26,000 mean for Camp Purple. What happened next when you gave them this money? <laughs> oh, they they were very, very appreciative. And yeah, so I think the special thing was when we went to the camp, 
after it and we got to play uh, about a 14 minute clip of our journey and oh, I have watched <laughs> it is this the one that's on YouTube yeah, yeah. yeah. so special um, we had the most amazing question so yeah opened it up to the floor afterwards and it was I, I yeah didn't expect the questions that we did it was like kids just genuinely were so excited and wanted to know a lot about it and um and then yeah write down the funny questions so did the did you guys share a bit of a whole time you'd get this <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah we just were able to answer those and yeah just show them some, some bit of light there <laughs> that is so incredible and you were saying before just before we press record that you had done some traveling previously I love traveling. It's so important to me. And I think that that is so awesome that you've got Crohn's. You're taking a medication where you're literally injecting yourself. You know, it's not it's not simple. I'm sure you just do it with your eyes closed now. But that is quite a big thing. And I think it's so amazing that you do this. And you just go traveling. That's so amazing. Well, I remember my IBD nurse. I, I was so worried about that because, yeah, I think I've always been there in my blood you know (laughs) wanting to go off on adventures and um so the thought of having an injection that you have to keep refrigerated Mm. how does that how I I can't go backpacking around Southeast Asia now yeah but my IBD nurse who was amazing had said she knew she's like no Millie I've got she said she told me about the story of a girl who'd just gone off around backpacking too and she if she had got, you know, she didn't have access to a fridge, she would literally in a fish market, she'd go and pop a Humira down in a bon- in, you know, a big thing of ice. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right. <laughs> so you just make do. <laughs> yeah. We can make this work. Yeah. So I did. I took my Humira around um, Southeast Asia too. And yeah, I left it again. I left it behind one time, but I realized when I was on the bus, so mm-hmm. that was a quick sprint down the road to forget it again. And I had a broken fridge at one stage, which like threw me a little bit. But yeah, I just... Uh, my gastroenterologist said, you know, Emily, if you need, you had contacts in Singapore Aww. or Thailand. So if I needed to, yeah. I was connected there if if I had to. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, and, and when you start talking about these things too, everyone is always so willing to help you. Like the bus driver in mm-hmm. India, you don't actually have to do it by yourself, which was what I thought initially. But I'm realizing now that actually it's better to do these things with other people. (laughs) So you were diagnosed in 2014. You have volunteered for Camp Purple. You've done the rickshaw run. You've had a successful career. You've traveled. You are on this medication. How does Crohn's fit into your life now? I think it's it's really hard. Obviously, it's it's like always there, right? And and I think that's now, and I, yeah, get, it's like it's an invisible disease so not everyone can always see it and sometimes you have to put up with some pretty awful comments or um it's, yeah not helpful at all um, yeah. <laughs> but other times you like it, it's there and I think I've lived my life and I'm not going to let it stop me so at the moment, like I can work, I'm very fortunate to be able to work five days a week. Like last year, we talked about maybe my specialist going down to four, but now I'm like, no, I'm going to stick to five. Like yeah. I feel like I can do five. And you obviously, your fortnightly injections, just, I think it's just being kind to myself now. Like yeah. I've learned to accept more that I've got it. And so it's, and not feeling guilty for needing to take a, b- a break on the weekend or, yeah. and just making myself stronger so that and like mentally and physically so that you can tackle the the harder days when they (laughs) when they come at you 
Yeah, being kind to yourself. What a wonderful message. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank I could just you. talk to you for hours and I think I will continue to talk to you after we <laughs> stop recording about India. I really want to go one day. Sounds amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. Anyone want to do a rickshaw run with me? If you want to find out more about Emily, Camp Purple, The Adventurists, Crohn's and Colitis NZ, or That's So Chronic, the info is in the show notes. Feel free to reach out. I'm at That's So Chronic on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, and share it with someone who would enjoy it as well. That helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope. <laughs>